You're listening to The Pseudo Show, episode 16 on Sunrise Robot. I'm your host, Mike Edwards, and joining us today is a Denver musician, Anthony Ruptak. Hi, guys. Nice to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming. Um, and Anthony, you've just released a new album recently, which people can find at anthonyruptak.bandcamp.com. And you guys are on the social medias, variously. So we are yeah, on you just all had the social the, medias. Yep, all of them. Um, so you guys just had a CD release recently. How did that go? Uh, it was terrific. We had so much fun. Um, we 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 released the album at the Physic Opera, the Syntax Physic Opera in Denver, and um, it was packed. There were lots of friends and family, many people I didn't know, which was great. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was fa- so the Physic Opera. This is on South Broadway. It's a fairly new venue. Mm-hmm. Um, couple years. How long has it been around? Uh, not even a year. It's been, I think it's in its seventh or eighth month right now. Um, and I run the open mic there with Rachel Pollard. And so it's kind of a home away from home as it is. Yeah. And, uh, just for listeners who may not be familiar, you should check out this venue. It's, it's really cool. Um, uh, great vibe. Uh, they kind of have a, a bar room and then like tables and a really great stage. And, um, one of the best sounds actually, um, they really worked hard on the sound there. Um, so yeah, this new album, how's it, how's the response been? Uh, it has been pretty good. It's, there have been quite a few downloads from all around the globe. It's fun to track those on Bandcamp and see where they're coming from. Um, the last one had a really great response from Australia and, uh, just strangely Australia. I don't know how they, how they heard it all the way down there. But um, this one, it's been doing good. It's chugging along. I've sold uh, like you know plenty of copies since the release show. I'm feeling pretty good about it. So producing this album, did you guys do this DIY or was it in a studio? Uh, it was done in a studio, um, and it was the first time I was working with uh, fellow musicians. Um, the last record I recorded... Uh, I just did all the instrumentation myself, and on this one it was it was a lot of fun to be able to work with uh, people that I'm actually playing with. Yeah, so these are the same people in your your stage band, your brother Matt and uh, Jacob and Julie. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Julie has been with me since the beginning of the band. Um, my brother has been with me since the beginning of his life, <laughs> and um, uh, Jacob is our newest and freshest addition. Jake Miller is super. Awesome guitarist, also plays in the Still Tide and a couple bands in Manhattan. So um, were they part of the collaborative recording effort then in the studio? Um, so the studio process with this one, we we actually, um, it was a really good learning process for sure because we haven't, I hadn't done anything in a real like official studio um, and so it was great to find what not to do next time around. And I thought we got a really good handle on that. Um, I had gone into Between the Hangman and the Halo with the ambitious goal of it being a 13-song album. And so I recorded the 13 songs and um, then realized soon after that uh, the people in the band only knew how to play half of those so we didn't want to like be making things up on the spot or anything like that. Um, and there was kind of uh, it definitely took it definitely took a while. And I'm I'm glad to say it's done and out there for people to listen to. Yeah. I'm really proud of what we what we ended up with. But 
um, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, it was definitely a first time experience working in that studio and took away a lot of experience for how to do it next time. Mm-hmm. And tell me about the cover a little bit. So this was painted by, I looked in the credits, it was Dominic Guttormson. Close, Guttormson. Guttormson, okay. Yeah. Um, he is uh, my kidhood friend, uh, best painter I know. He's fantastic. Um, you see over on the wall there. Mm-hmm. That's, so that's one of your other album covers. That's one it? of my other album covers. And he gave that to me uh, just as a gift. And he's just incredibly good. And um, so this one, instead of giving him direction, like with Sela V, I, I wanted to have a elk standing in the middle of a refinery. And uh, so I went down and took some pictures around the refinery. And then uh, he took those, projected them onto a screen and like kind of painted the outline and filled in the detail. And he, that's just not, he doesn't, he expressed to me many times how much he can't <laughs> stand like working under uh um direction like that because yeah. he's very his stuff is very ethereal and um super super great and so this one I just gave him the album title emailed him some rough cuts of a few of the songs and uh kind of just a short explanation of where the song came from and uh just said to go do yeah, see what happens do what you will with this and he came up with this beautiful image, and uh, yeah, we'll have a picture in the show notes. But it's it's very black and red, and kind of stark. And uh, it is um, it. So the title is between the hangman and the halo, and so he he found an old photograph of um, a Mormon baptism uh, from the early 1900s, and it's this guy in a freezing cold river with chunks of ice floating by, and. Um, to just stern, cold uh, practitioners who mm-hmm. were laying hands on him, laying hands on him, and he's he looks like he's weeping into a handkerchief in the in the photograph, and it was a good um, it was a good matchup with the title, I think. Um, between the hangman and the halo, meaning uh, between death and ultimate sadness and or salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just that limbo, that thin middle ground between those two that you find yourself in sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I have to bring up, um, I, I loved your little joke post online of, hey everyone, here's the album artwork, and it was a picture of you like a hundred meters away holding it up. <laughs> holding it up, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I promise you, here it is. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. Um, the guy who took that picture was totally confused, but um <laughs> It was great. Uh, it was kind of Flight of the Concords ish You know how they're like, Ben, stand like this. <laughs> and they're just standing up like that. Like, I've heard right. rumors they're going to get back together and do some more. I've heard that too. That's super exciting. Yeah. I love those guys. So some more about the album. Um, this one actually kind of spills into, like you said, having the, the full band there. Um, it gets a little more into the rock territory. Yeah, absolutely. Was that just a natural extension of having them there and seeing where the songs go? Kind of. um, Definitely feeding off of the energy of the band, it's easy to get into a louder kind of music like that. But um, I've always... It it doesn't really matter if I'm playing a a solo show or, um, you know, playing a new song for my brother in our kitchen or um, playing a show with the band. I, I... I always treat it like um, the last time I'll ever 
play a show. So might as well have a good time. And like, if it's in you to scream, like if you're feeling it and you like want to just scream out into the sky, then you should do that. And um, so it helps a lot to have awesome electric guitar and Julie's killing it on bass. And then my brother is um, playing drums. And playing he, the standing drums. Yeah, he's, so he's standing up. It's kind of unorthodox. Um, but the reason he's standing is because when he started to play with us, which was last November of 2013, and uh, we had uh, another drummer, uh, JJ, who's great, um, and um, Matt was playing auxiliary drums just standing next to him and just doing like a floor tom and uh, tambourine, stuff like that. And, um, so eventually Matt just became the sole drummer and we needed him to do more than just a floor tom. So he very quickly learned how to, how to like stand and stomp on the bass and like keep rhythm on the cymbal and like really integrating loud wooden clacking sounds, which and I like a lot. he helps out on the background vocals too. Yep. He also sings uh, harmonies with me on a bunch of songs. And then we have that internal brother, uh, connection where we don't really practice our harmonies we should more but we just kind of like know he like he knows what to yeah. do and just, you've listened to each other your whole lives yeah absolutely so i'm i'm really excited about the crew that we have right now it's just a bunch of solid people and uh yeah good things so to switch gears a little bit um this is the proverbial how'd you get started question but is there a certain like moment in your life or song or, or band that kind of made you go yeah i'm doing music or was this just something you've always been doing? Um, well, what strangely enough, the thing that made me realize how much motion, emotion, uh, music could evoke uh, was in the Coldplay song "Spies" from Parachutes, and um, um, I grew up listening to uh, praise music and worship music and stuff like that. That's what my family. Uh, was all about and um first secular album i was allowed to listen to was creed uh, <laughs> I, I still think creed is awesome just for uh um i think they're awesome nobody fight me on that one <laughs> scott stapp will will gouge your eyes quicker than yeah. you can do anything else but um so i really got into like that that creed rock sound for a while and but then i uh i got a little older and uh started listening to Coldplay and uh um I realized that uh I was already playing um worship music for um the ch- for the, like the youth group in the church and uh so I kind of had gotten down how to how to perform in front of people and uh I guess there's uh an unspoken theatrical passion mm-hmm. that goes along with being a worship leader um, and, uh, so then st- started writing my own songs, uh, when I was about 14 and, uh, then I got really into metal, like screaming music, uh, in like, well, I was 16, 17, um, lots of, uh, like Norma Jean and mm-hmm. Drop Dead Gorgeous and bands like that, uh, that were just like very angry, but so. I think you, did you mention me without you? Somewhere? I love me without you. Yeah, they're um, right. 
right up there. They're they're one of my all time favorite groups, and I love uh, Aaron Weiss's lyricism, and um, they were also a huge inspiration. That was kind of the middle ground between the screaming and the Coldplay that I found that I like really liked. It was so poetic and uh, just so poignant. The things that he would talk about and the pictures that he would paint. And it was all very acoustic based, but yeah, there was electric guitars and um, seeing them live, like they they rock out every show, and I love that. Um, they got quite a wide variety in their their music too. It's it's not just yeah, the rock stuff. They got harps and strings yep. and all this other stuff mixing in. It's yeah. definitely good stuff. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the Denver scene. Um, so you've been doing these open songwriter nights, and it's. I haven't actually been to one yet, which is, or actually I was at one, but, um, so there, there's like an open mic section, but then there's like a sponsored person that's definitely playing later in the night or how do these work? Oh, at the syntax? Yeah, the syntax. Um, so it's, it's really cool and it really sets the, the syntax open mic apart from your standard open mic of which I have played many. This one, we've, we've been asking, uh, Denver talent and uh, touring talent, like really, really good um, songwriters, um, to come in and and do a special guest segment. And during that segment, it's after the fourth open mic performance of the night. It's free sign up list, but then they have this half hour blocked off for our special guest. And uh, so uh, we kind I kind of interview them a little bit and talk songwriting and uh, talk about their history and. Um, you know their processes, and uh, those interview segments are in, uh, placed in between uh, them performing songs, and so it gives uh, not only uh, the new upcoming singer songwriters something really awesome to look forward to, and something really helpful to hear, which is just the experience of somebody who's been doing it for a long time. It also gives people who have been uh, playing with these people or people who've been around the Denver scene for quite a while, uh, just a treat to hear, um, hear their, the people that they look up to or the people whose music they really, really admire, hear them talk about their songs a little bit. Um, I also like just, uh, it puts a little structure in the night because a lot of open mics and not all of them, some of them are pretty good about this, but people don't necessarily listen to each other much. And having this context of, you know, this isn't about just getting yours, this is about celebrating songwriting, and after some open sessions, let's hear from someone who's doing this. It kind of, I think it changes the vibe a little bit from just a, a crazy sign-up list of people who don't care about each other to like, no, let's be a community of songwriters. I would say so, and we always, Rachel and I always make a point before we get going to uh, tell everybody it's a songwriter open mic. Um, so, you know, feel free to play covers or, you know, something as long as it means something to you. And we, we always encourage people to talk about their song and what brought them to write it and what brought them to come and sing it in front of people because that kind of stuff is really intriguing to me. And um, I think it's really important to focus on when you're... Yeah, bridge that gap with the audience. Yeah. So have you mostly worked as a solo artist on your on the Anthony Ruptech stuff or do you do you collaborate with your bandmates or other people on the songs um mostly as in this last album yeah um this last album it's uh well i i love having 
additional talent come in and add uh, their craft to um, my music. It, it's it, hugely flattering to me, and it's very fun to work with other people in that capacity. We had uh, Emily Hobbs from Poets Row. She sang uh, back up with me on uh, the bus song, uh, and it's just beautiful. She she does a great job, and I've I've been playing with Poets Row since I started, and um, she's just wonderful. Then we had Josh Trinidad, who is well known Denver trumpeter, um, trumpetist, <laughs> trumpet man. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, come in and play on hooks and rope and he was just so excited and so willing to do it and um yeah it's it's really fun to collaborate with other denver musicians um as far as my name is concerned i just i don't know i started playing uh open mics when i was 19 and uh have been writing songs frequently since and uh We've done a, a bunch of cool collaborative stuff, though. Um, like at the Walnut Room, we recorded a live album with just... If you look at the album cover on the Bandcamp page, it just lists off all these people who I love, whose bands I love. Like, um, I'm blanking on all of them right now, <laughs> but just... It's, yeah. it's very much a community, so the collaboration thing definitely comes easily. But as far as the songwriting goes, it's all... Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's all me. They're, they're all my songs. And, um, like Jake has been incredibly terrific, Jacob Miller in uh, coming up with his guitar parts on this new stuff that we're working on, which I'm super excited about. Yeah. And, uh, Julie, the same, incredibly talented and Matt, he's just, he's in his own world and he's an enigma. So I don't try and tell him <laughs> to do anything except for don't do that thing. And then he figures out something else and it's fantastic. That's cool. Um, so you primarily play guitar. Do you play any other instruments, or? Um, I kind of I kind of futz my way through yeah. the violin. I play violin on uh, between the hangman and the halo um, on uh, a couple of the songs, and then my aunt is playing the actual like professional sounding violin on the bus song. Um, and then I I play a little bit of banjo. Uh, I can I play drums and piano and mm-hmm. harmonica. So all the basics. Yeah. So I was wondering, like, if you get into a rut or you like, just feel like you you kind of like burn out a little bit. Do you like what do you do? Do you go to other instruments? Do you say I'm going to stop playing music for a while? I'm going to, you know, watch some movies, read some books, or um, I definitely watch some movies and read some books, but I don't get into a rut where I ever feel like I need to stop playing music for a while. I want to play music until I there's no <laughs> breath left in me to sing. So. Um, but as far as like switching instruments around goes, I should probably practice the other instruments more. I really need to. Um, but I, I have a profound love for the acoustic guitar and, uh, the way that you can just like beat the heck out of it and like play it incredibly softly and the different things that you can do. It does have a wide range. And I, even in the the more rocking moments on this album, you can still hear that through line of the acoustic is still kind of the bedrock of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I was using one of my grandma's old guitars, it's an old Franciscan from the '40s, in one of the songs that didn't make it onto the album. So, whatever's coming next, I'm really excited about actually yeah. getting to use all these different things. 
So as far as what's next, um, do you have interest in, uh, obviously you're trying to grow this, this musical project, play better shows, record more albums. Um, do you have any aspirations otherwise musically? Are you, you know, looking into like film soundtracks? Well, or? I want to have my own Disney Channel show, first and <laughs> foremost. As, as we if all anybody do. anybody from Disney is listening, I would like to really have my own show. Um, as soon as that happens, I could be, you know, that's it. <laughs> that's, that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I other aspirations. How do you mean? Just uh, I don't know. Like other other forms of of the music, like besides just albums and playing shows, which to be fair is plenty. Like if 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 that's what you want to do. But I don't know if there was like a part of you that's like, hey, filmmakers, I'm, I'm interested in collaborating. Or um, I'm interested in being in all kinds of media. I was in a a really great documentary called uh, West that you should look up if you just Google documentary West. It's really, really fantastic. And, um, yeah, those, those multimedia platforms like television or, you know, commercials for Chuck E. Cheese, anything like that. <laughs> I'm all about that. So yeah, come at me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, that is sort of a, a big question for if you, if you want this, you know, thing you love as an art form, but you also, it's also nice if it kind of pays for itself or supports oh, yeah. itself yeah and i would i would love more than anything to be able to quit my job and uh just make a, a living off of music and uh you know on good time all you can do is really play uh smartly and um make friends and like i've had the pleasure of making a lot of really good friends here in town and uh touring is also really beneficial and uh have you guys been, gone on tour yeah we've done we've done done two tours and one uh trip to cuba which wasn't really a tour but it was incredible nonetheless and we're gonna tour the west coast uh this summer in july cool you know go north or start in california or we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna hit wyoming and start in tacoma and make our way down the coast um we've only got a couple dates set right now and then uh come up through um, Arizona and uh, Albuquerque. I can't remember the name of the town in Arizona. It's like Fre- Freeport or something like that. That's exciting. So the whole band will go with you on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I love touring. I love being on the road. It's really fun. I wish you guys have a, a dumpy van yet? or I got that <laughs> dumpy truck out there that we're going to be using. Um, just rent a trailer and go with that. We're all... Like my brother's Drum kit's pretty small. We can go. Uh, a real big problem is Julie's upright bass. Oh, yeah. Those things are huge. Yeah. <laughs> so a couple more questions. Um, this one's kind of a, a big, overly broad one, but kind of just being a musician today and uh, trying to to make it work, um, do you have any feelings about like what it's like trying to, to reach an audience? Is it better? Is it worse? It's um, a room full of people is... Uh, kind of like an empty canvas and you can throw paint at it or you can be real delicate and take your time with it. Um, and I think the live playing live shows and, uh, coming out with releases and, uh, first and foremost, just writing songs that, um, mean the world to you. Uh, I think, that all translates in a in a good way to uh, the general listener. But as far as CD sales go, um, 
I don't I don't worry about it. I have no control over it. Mm-hmm. So all I can do really is just, you know, write more music and uh yeah. And I do think it's kind of a weird historical moment like this like if you look at human history, the t- period of time where you could make a living selling recordings mm-hmm. is this weird tiny slot in the 20th century. Yeah. And it's like before that we didn't have the technology to sell recordings. Mm-hmm. You could sell sheet music, but you couldn't really sell recordings. And now that the internet's kind of destroyed that, it's like, well, maybe it was weird to latch onto that one thing as how, right. how this business works. Yeah. <laughs> it, it all depends on what success means to uh, the person asking the question. Um, mm-hmm. I guess because uh, success to me isn't uh, selling CDs. It really feels good to sell a CD. <laughs> but um, I think... Uh, I don't know. I've yet to find the answer to that one. <laughs> right. I, I feel like sometimes it's sort of like you're just pulling on a string and you're like, let's just see where this thing goes. And it's not that you have an end game in mind, but it's like, well, what's next? Let's see what happens next. Right. And for me, it's, it's, it's a very personal thing and it's kind of the only thing I'm good at. So um, I plan to do it until I can't anymore. And the only reason... I won't be able to anymore as if I, uh, you know, I get my, my jugular torn <laughs> out by a, a, a lynx or something like that. Yeah. Or my hand stomped by a giant machine. Probably one of those two things. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to thank you so much for, for coming by today and uh, doing this podcast with me, Anthony. Thank you, Mike. And uh, listeners, you can check out the show notes to this at uh, sunriserobot.net slash show and slash 16 for this particular episode. And you can find Anthony's stuff. Uh, he's on Twitter at Anthony Ruptak or anthonyruptak.bandcamp.com. And I'm sure if you just Google his name, you'll find everything. And uh, definitely check out his new album, Between the Hangman and the Halo. Um, buy it, support him, um, come to a show. There, uh, Anthony Ruptak and his Midnight Friends are playing The Walnut Room on March 7th, and um, details are still to be determined on that but definitely check out that show yeah thank you everybody for listening Oh